All right, so we're going to get into the Word of God, Revelation. Uh, I would have loved to have gone all the way through Revelation 21 and 22 today. I mean, all of it. There is just so much there that I would love to talk about and unpack. And we are going to start this Wednesday night talking about the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at a lot more into detail of things. Uh, I was hanging out with some pastors this past week and probably spent about half an hour or 45 minutes talking about eschatology, the end times. And these gentlemen, so they were 59 years old, two that were close to my age, you know, 23 or 24, somewhere around there. <laughs> now they're late, mid to late 40s like me. There was a 30-year-old and there was a 21-year-old or 23-year-old, I should say, in this group. And we were talking about eschatology. We all have our different viewpoints. But one thing that really came into focus is how that studying the way that I have the last three or four months, the book of Revelation, just looking for Jesus. What is this showing us about Jesus and his kingdom? It has really changed my outlook. We're going we're to read a passage here in a minute that, that says, don't add to or take away from what's written in this book. And I think a lot of interpretation of eschatology, we add a lot of stuff in there and we take a lot of stuff out. And if we just read it for what's in the book, we will get this. It is the most liberating and freeing thing I, I think that I've done in Bible study in a long, long time to just disconnect all of the, the isms and the models of it has to happen this way or that way or, and just to say, Lord, you're going to do it. I'm going to be content in that. I'm going to see what I see in the scriptures and believe that part of it and not have to try to make anything else make sense. It, it will liberate you. It'll liberate you. Look for Jesus. As you read the book of Revelation, I'm going to encourage you because there's a promised blessing there is a promised blessing when we read the book of Revelation. And if you'll look for Jesus and his purpose and his preeminence in this book, it will bring great joy. It will bring the blessing that is promised in the first chapter when you read the book of Revelation that way. So let's dive in here. Uh, we're going to talk about the temple and the light. Jesus is presented in these chapters as the temple, himself the temple, and the light. And so Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to read uh, three passages here. Again, we won't be here a long, long time. We were going to take communion today. And I think it's going to be a very powerful time of communion. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and let's begin to read in verse 22. But I saw no temple. And this is talking about heaven. We're going to get a great revelation of heaven. By, by, by the way, let me just say this. I heard a story, two gentlemen, two young men, and they were arguing. You know what they were arguing about? What color Jesus was. One was a white man and the other was a black man. And of course, the white man thought Jesus would be white, the black man thought Jesus would be black, and so they argued about this for a long, long time, many, many years. They both were driving down the road one day, got into a car accident, and died. And so they arrive to the golden gates of heaven, the pearly gates of heaven. They see St. Peter. They say, Peter, we, we, we want to see Jesus. Help, help us. We, we've got this long-running argument. We want to settle this once and for all. Will you show us Jesus? And he says, as a matter of fact, there he is right there. So they, they run towards Jesus, and they're shouting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he turns around, and he says, buenos dias. <laughs> I like that. His real name is Jesucristo. That's how you say it in Spanish. You know, the, the, the people that speak Spanish, they, they have a saying, it's Espanol es la lenguas de los ángeles. That means that Spanish is the language of the angels. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. Dios te bendiga. All right. 
So just a little joke about heaven. And let's, let's get rid of all, I, I want to tell you that get rid of all of your preconceived ideas. I think all of us in this room have things that we think about our perception of heaven and what it's going to look like, and we're wrong. And even in the areas where we're right, it's even greater and more awesome than we can even imagine. Heaven is going to be absolutely wonderful, better than you can even dream, better than you can imagine. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And so in heaven, there is no temple. For the, the, look at this. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. What that looks like and how that works, I can't not even begin to fathom in my mind. But it sounds absolutely awesome and wonderful. The city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Isn't that awesome? What an amazing revelation of Jesus. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And it's, it's nations. You know that God is going to have a people out of every tribe, every kindred, every ethnicity, and every tongue. Amen? This is not a white man's religion. It's not a black man's religion. It's not a brown man's religion. It's not a Jewish religion. God used the Jews to get the message to the nations of the earth. But this is a message. His intent was to reach the nation. That was the promise to Abraham from the very beginning. Through you and through your seed, all of the nations of the earth will be saved. You know there's going to be Afghanis in heaven. Right? They're going to be Sumerians in heaven. They're going to be Iraqis in heaven. They're going to be Chinamen in heaven. Every nation is going to be represented in heaven, and thank God for that. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful place. Verse 25, its gates shall not be shut. Amen? There are no locks on the doors of the church in heaven. Its gates will not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. Thank you, that. It's going to be awesome. And they, they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a snapshot of heaven. What a glorious place. The, the temple of this place is going to be the Lord himself. We will come directly to him and worship. Amen? He is going to illuminate the place. We cannot even imagine the glory of God. We cannot even begin to imagine the light of God. Amen? And in the fullness of his presence, he is going to light the place up. Amen? Amen? That's why we're going to need these transformed, glorified bodies because if we saw them in these bodies, we'd, we'd perish, right? We're going to receive new bodies. The Bible makes that very clear. And we're going to live in this glorious place for an eternity. I believe, that, I, I believe there's a millennial reign that's going to take place. I believe that the purpose of God is going to be worked out through that, that the enemy is going to be bound until the end of that time. He'll be released for a short time, and he will be ultimately put away. And then we're going to sp spend an eternity 
in heaven. And guess what? That's, we're going to see this as we read through some of these passages. That's going to happen right here on planet Earth. But this planet is going to be absolutely dissolved and transformed and turned inside out and made new. When he comes back, he is going to make, we read about that last week, by fire, every element of this planet is going to be transformed. Amen. This is going to be a new creation. Amen? And it's going to be, this, this earth is going to be restored back to God's original intent. What God, and, and we'll talk about this as we get, and, and, and let me warn you, if, if you're coming looking for me to reveal to you who the Antichrist is, just let me tell you, on Wednesday night, I, I'm, if, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, I have no idea. I actually heard a, a lady and a guy talking this week, and they both knew who the Antichrist was, but they both thought it was somebody different. <laughs> One thought it was Prince Charles, or King Charles now, and, and the other person thought it was uh, the Pope. Maybe one of them's right. Maybe they're both wrong. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I'm not going to try to claim that I do. But we're, we're going to look at this and we're going to study ne through next month. We're going to look at really the purpose of God and how some of the things are going to play out. And what we can be, we're going to talk about what the scripture, the scripture clearly speaks. And we're just going to be quiet about everything else. Is that all right? We're not going to get into the is, this ism or that ism. What about this man's teaching or that man's teaching about it? Well, what does the word of God reveal to us about it? Amen. Let's let that speak real, real loud. So we're going we're to get into that, and we're going to see how, how all that works. Amen? And there's a great and a glorious purpose in all of this. It's, it's going it's to be totally different than, than whatever you have dreamed up. You know, all the images of... And we talked about this, you know, floating in the clouds and the cherub strumming their, their harps and, you know, these little uh, kind of cartoon images and stuff that comes from a lot of different cultures that's been woven together for these. No, it's, it's going to be totally, totally different. We're going to live on planet Earth, a new planet Earth. And what we're going to see as, as, really Wednesday nights when we study, study uh, next month or this month, tomorrow starting, to, may start tomorrow. What we're going to see is, is that, that God... Is, is telling a story through the scriptures and everything that was lost in Genesis will be restored in Revelation. We're going to see the real purpose of God. When's the rapture going to take place? I have no idea. I know it wasn't 1988 like they said it was going to be. Then they wrote another book the, year, the next year, 1989 Reasons, he'll come back in 89. And he didn't come back. When's he going to do it? I don't know. We're going to see a, something he says about it here in just a minute, but when, I don't know. But it's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be uh, heaven on earth. We're, we're, we're going to, what, what Adam enjoyed in the garden, again, one day, we will enjoy. You think about how God walked with Adam in the garden. We're going to walk with God in the city. You think about it. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Let's look at another passage here, Revelation chapter 22 uh, verses 1 through 5 gives us another beautiful picture of what heaven is going to look like. Verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. You've never seen water so clear. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of its street and on either side of the river, this is, just blows my mind. A tree on both sides of the river. This, this tree of life. It's, it's the same tree that was in the garden. That's the beautiful thing. You, you need to, when, you, when you're studying Revelation, look for these, the, the, these the culminations, the, the, the fulfillments of what, what, what begins 
in Genesis being restored and brought to its fullness in Revelation. The tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, and the throne of God and of the, the, the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever. There's going to be a lot of reigning in heaven. Amen. Amen. It's one of the great purposes and the great promises of heaven. We will rule and reign with Christ on the throne. That's the promise for the redeemed. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Heaven's going to be absolutely amazing. Let's read another passage in Revelation chapter 21. These are a little bit out of order, but I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. How awesome and how glorious heaven is going to be and how beautiful the Lamb of God in its midst will be to us. Revelation 28, beginning of verse 1, it says, I, I saw a new heaven, and this is the picture of it, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea. That's why I like the mountains more than the beach, personally. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You know that this was God's intent and God's purpose from the very beginning. Earth in its creation was formed so that it would be a place of habitation for mankind so that God could fellowship with man. Sin entered in. It brought curse into this earth. And what has been unfolding for the last 6,000 years of history, biblical history, or uh, whatever, if you believe in old earth or younger, whatever you believe, doesn't matter. I'm not going to argue with you either way. But all of human history, all of the history of creation, God has been working since the fall to bring restoration to his plan and purpose. And, I, and really, honestly, I, I see in it that this was God's plan from, from the beginning. How many of you know this is God's A plan? He didn't have a B plan. That's why it says that he, he see, he's the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Before creation, God saw Jesus as the sacrifice for the sins of men. He knew that we would sin. There was a purpose that God wanted to unfold over the course of human history that has been playing out, and it's bringing us to this culmination of what we see in Revelation where the tabernacle is on planet Earth, and God is with man, and the nations are worshiping God. This was God's plan and God's purpose from the very beginning. And Jesus, when he left, he, he, he gave insight to this. In, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Like all these things are going on around you, all of the turmoil, all the conflict. How many of you know that, that the disciples, the, the men of the Bible, the day of the Bible, they saw lots of conflict, right? I mean, Nero, who was the emperor at that point, he was, he was hanging Christians on lampposts and lighting them on fire so that, that at his parties, his guests could see. 
That's what he was doing to the Christian church. They, they saw tough times. We're seeing tough times. We're seeing the, the work of the enemy coming against the people of God and, and the, the church, right? And so Jesus says to the disciples, and I think it's so, so relevant for us today, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? This is John 14. Believe also in me. I'm leaving, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would tell you. I'm going to prepare this place so that where I am, there you may be also. This passage that we just read in Revelation chapter 2, or 22, is the culmination of that promise of Jesus. He went to prepare a place for us. As I heard somebody say one time that if, it, if, if, if God created this planet just with a spoken word and he's been gone for 2,000 years working on creating a place for us, how glorious must that place be? Now, I'm not going to read. I, I said I would have loved to have read this entire chapter. Too. I'm not going to read, but go and read the description of this city, the dimensions of it, the magnitude of it, the glory of it, the beauty of it, uh, the, the, the most precious stones, the streets of gold, the, the, the crystal rivers that flow, the cities, the tree. Read this uh, amazing description of this city of God that's coming down. It, it is the tabernacle, which is the lamb himself coming down so that we could dwell in his midst. This is the fulfillment of this promise that Jesus made. In my Father's house were many mansions. Some of you are looking for mansions, big houses on, on big streets. It, really, the word there really would be more appropriately said, in my Father's house there are a lot of apartments. <laughs> like we're, we're, When we get to heaven, we're all going to have a condo at God's place. We're going to have our own master suite, right, in the Father's house. He's prepared a house for us, right? And whoever gets on your nerves here this morning will probably be your roommate. <laughs> Only kidding. Let's pick back up in verse 4. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. This is heaven. There shall be no sorrow. There shall be no crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write for, these, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes. Revelation is a book written for overcomers. Remember the message to the church, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. In every church, it doesn't matter if you go to Return Church or the Church of Philadelphia or what church you go to, there's some things in the church you're going to have to overcome. But to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes shall inherit all things. Remember we looked at that a couple weeks ago, how that there was a promise to all seven of the churches, and it was for whatever they overcome, there was a promise. The way they were going to overcome that was through Jesus, Right? He's saying ultimately right here, if we overcome, when we arrive in heaven, we're going to receive all seven of those things. We looked at how those seven promises to the seven churches are the restoration of everything that Adam lost, right? Access to the tree. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but all seven of the things promised there are things that Adam lost when he fell in sin, 
And if we overcome through Christ, we are going to inherit all of these things. That's the promise. Check out verse 8, though. Here's the warning. But the cowardly. Man, that word, I'd love just to put the big cowardly word up there and do a whole sermon on it. Or maybe a series. Like, that, that's what's wrong with us today. We're cowardly. We, we need some boldness. So maybe I need to put it in a more positive light when I prepare that series, but man, we need to preach on it. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, and, and we need to be clear. God has a plan for sexuality. Amen. God created two genders. That's right. This gender dysphoria is straight from the pit of hell. Amen. It's an attack on a generation. And we need to stand and we need to take dominion. We need to be bold about it. Male and female, he created them. Period. Full stop. End of story. God's design for creation and sexuality and marriage is perfect. And those who are sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sorcerers. Idolaters. We get into a whole series on this passage right here. Liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We're talking about heaven today, but I want to just say hell is real. It's not the figment of someone's imagination. You know, Jesus spoke about hell than almost any other topic. He talked about money and hell. Those are two of his favorite topics. Do you know that? Jesus, our leader. There's a real hell. It's an eternity separated from the God who created you, and it's real. Folks, we don't want to miss it. I'm going to tell you, heaven is too glorious. We don't want to miss heaven, amen? And you can, I'm going, to, I'm going to get to this in a minute, but we can experience heaven on planet Earth, amen? So God's kingdom is coming. Heaven is coming to planet Earth soon and very soon. There's going to be a restoration of all things. Jesus is going to come back. He is going to transform this planet. He's going to establish his throne, and he is going to rule and reign on this planet. When? Soon. Soon. I want to read two, two quick verses here out of Revelation. Revelation 22, 7. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. That word quickly means soon. I'm going to be back soon. Right? If that, was, if, if that was true 2,000 years ago, how many of you know it's really true now? Right? He's coming back soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Jesus is coming back soon, so we need to keep the words. And, and he's really talking about revelation. We need to keep the words of revelation. Right? Amen. Revelation 22, verse 13, uh, 12 and 13. Behold, I come quickly. He's coming back soon, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And if you go not read the next verse, it says, keep the commandments. Keep everything that Jesus has commanded, right, so that we can take part in the kingdom of heaven. He's coming back soon, soon and very soon. He's coming back. And I believe that we, the church, should hasten the coming of the Lord. We need to be a people who are hastening the coming of the Lord. Look at what Peter says in first, or 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. He says, looking for the hastening, 
looking for, I'm sorry, and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, the day of our God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. We looked at that passage last week. Right? We, we need to look for and hasten the return of the Lord. We need to look for and hasten the return of the Lord. How do we do that? There's many, many, many ways. I, I want to talk to you real quick, and we're going to wrap up here about one of them. We, we need to look for the return of the Lord. And we need to, I talked about it a little bit last week, we need to get away from this escapism mentality. He didn't say, sit on the edge of your seat and wait for my appearing, but beta, he said, occupy until I come. It's a military term. Take over, push back darkness. Great commission, go and make disciples. We, we are supposed to be about something, right? Listen to this statement. This is for us as a church. We, we need to be anticipating his return. However, our primary concern needs to be with the harvest. It's important. Some people have gotten so caught up in his return. This is what I've seen, and I've heard this from mentors about what they saw in their generation. I don't think I've seen it much in my generation, but... I, I heard of a generation that dropped out of Bible college because they thought that Jesus was going to come back before they could finish their, their course. I've heard of people who ran their credit cards up tens of thousands of dollars thinking that the rapture was going to let them escape from paying the bills. Foolishness. Amen. Escape mentality is detrimental to us. We're here with a purpose. Man, I'm looking for the day he comes back, absolutely. But until then, I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to be doing the work that he's left us here to do. We, we, we need to anticipate his, his return, but, but our focus, our concern, needs to be with the harvest. That's why he's left us here, to bring in a harvest, an ingathering to his kingdom. And we need to be about that. We really do. As citizens of heaven, we wait eagerly for Jesus Christ, our Savior. Philippians talks about it in 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That statement right there that he's going to subdue all things unto himself, that's what he's going to do when he comes back. Everything is going to be brought under subjection, under the authority of Christ. That's what we're waiting for. In the meantime, we're here to establish heaven. That passage that we just read there, Philippians 3.20, it, it starts with the statement, we are a, citizen, a, a citizenship of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Quite literally translated, here's, here's the way that would read. We are a colony of heaven. We are a colony of heaven. Philippi was a colony of Rome. 
They weren't in Rome, but they were a colony of Rome. We're not in heaven, but we are a colony of heaven. They, they weren't in Rome, but as citizens of Rome, living in a Roman colony, they had every right of a Roman citizen. And they were to be about establishing Roman culture. He's painting a picture, a very vivid picture. You are a colony of heaven. You're not in heaven, but you have the rights of a citizen of heaven, and you are to be about establishing the culture of heaven on earth. That's the assignment. That's why we're here. To establish heaven on earth until heaven and earth comes. That's what we're supposed to be about. I want to wrap up. I want to read this, and then we're going to prepare for communion. And I just want to say, when, when he comes back, he is coming back with an innumerable army of saints. Amen. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious. I wish I had time to preach this. Maybe one day we'll do a whole series on heaven. But let me read this just in, in relation to our study of the book of Revelation. I want to encourage you to continue to dig into Revelation. Dive in until you find the blessedness, this promise of blessing that comes from reading Revelation. Dive in until your heart is filled with joy. Read it until it gets to that place, looking for Jesus, looking for his purpose and his kingdom. Stop looking for all the scary stuff and start looking for Jesus and the hope and the promise of his kingdom. I'm gonna encourage you, read Revelation. But let's read Revelation 22, 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, of Revelation. Listen, listen to what he says. This is the warning, okay? If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. I think we, again, need to be encouraged. Let's just read Revelation for what it says. Let's stop reading the ism and this guy's teaching and that guy's teaching into it, our culture into it, and let's just read it and let the Word of God speak to us. What it says is clear and what it says is true. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Let's just settle on what God's Word says. Can we do that? I think that's healthy. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus testifies of all the things written in the book of Revelation. And he says, I am coming quickly. And our heart's response needs to be, even so, Lord, come quickly. We're looking, we are looking forward with an eager expectation, not an escaping mentality, but just a great anticipation that his kingdom is going to come that this world is going to be changed and transformed. The glory of everything that we've read about today coming to pass. That's our desire. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly. Verse 21, the grace. Love the way the book ends. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let it be so. Let the grace of God be with us. Amen? You know, the Old Testament ends with a curse. 
I'm going to raise up a prophet. He'll come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons, the hearts of the sons to the fathers. At least I come and smite the earth with a curse. Somebody said that curse hissed for 400 years until Jesus showed up on the scene to bring his, planet, his kingdom to planet earth. Let's stand together. Listen, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are not born again, why not? God desires that we would be born again. God desires that we would be saved. God desires that we would be filled with his spirit. There's absolutely nothing that would keep you from being saved today. All you have to do is simply swallow your pride, throw up your hands, and say, Jesus, I give up. Jesus says, whoever calls upon me will be saved. He says that if we come to him, he will not turn us away. He desires for us to be a part of his kingdom. Well, I, I'm not perfect, and I got this going on. Don't forget about it and come. I was jacked up when I came to the altar, and God touched my heart, and he began to do a work of change and transformation. I was jacked up for months, and I'm still jacked up today in ways, and he's still working on me. It's not about your perfection. It's about the perfect one who died on a cross for you. His name was Jesus. He is the light of heaven. He is the tabernacle where we will go to dwell. He's crazy about you. Somebody said, Jesus isn't mad at you. He's mad about you, and that's true. He loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to restore your life. He wants to restore your wounded heart. Is there anybody in the room that say, you know what, Pastor Chad, I want to give my life to the Lord today. I want to experience the salvation of God. All right. I want our ushers to begin to serve us. I'm going to pass out the elements. Rachel, we have a song we maybe we can worship here for just a minute. Speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but your blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash as pure as snow? Welcome as a friend of God. Nothing but your blood. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. As they continue to distribute the, uh, the elements of the communion table, I want to read a passage. This is in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. It says, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 disciples with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered. And we need to understand that the elements that we have are really just symbolic of the Passover meal, the unleavened bread, the fruit of the vine. This represents the bread, and it represents the body of Christ, the fruit of the vine representing his blood. And we're going to read that in a minute. I'm going to ask you just to hold them in your hand. We'll partake of these together in just a second. We need to understand this was the Passover meal. It was pointing to the cross. Instituted when they came out of Egypt, the Exodus, the death angel passing over, the blood applied to the doorpost their homes. And before that death angel came, they sat down and they ate that bread, those bitter herbs, and they ate, drank the fruit of the vine, and it was pointing to the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. These things should point us to the sacrifice of Jesus, what he has done for us. Just, just hold the elements for just a minute. With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Verse 16, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I want us to, when we partake of this today, have heaven in mind. When Jesus instituted communion, he had heaven in mind. This will be the last time we eat together until we are together in my kingdom. Amen? You need to be saved. And you need to be full of the Spirit of God. And I want to tell you that if, if you are saved and full of the Spirit of God, I, I think many of you will relate to this. You have heaven on planet Earth. Something, a reality of heaven comes to our life through salvation, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance. Our inheritance is heaven. A part in the kingdom of God, ruling and reigning with him. That's the promised inheritance. And the infilling of the Holy Spirit is just saying, hey, you're, you're marked with heaven. Here's the down payment of heaven. Here's the sign that you are a colony of heaven. Amen? God has made us his people to sit together in heavenly places. We have a reality of heaven but then we will have fulfillment. And I want us to take communion today with that anticipation. One day we're going to gather around a great table, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at the head of that table, 
Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, bearing the marks in his hands and his feet. And having the power of resurrection that has given us all life. He took the cup, verse 17 says, and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these elements that point us to the cross, to the sacrifice, the atonement, the redemption of our soul. And we, we have gratitude for all that you have done for us. We praise you in Jesus' name. He says to his disciples, I will not drink at the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. Took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave, to them, gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'd ask you to take the bread and break it. And Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for all that you endured on the cross for our salvation. And we look to the day of redemption. We look to the day where we would gather with you in your kingdom around that table. Let's partake of the bread. Verse 20 says, Likewise, he took the cup after supper and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Lord, we thank you for the blood. We thank you that through your blood we overcome. Because of your blood we are forgiven. Thank you for the blood. Let's take together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the body. Lord, I pray that we would live with an awareness of heaven. Lord, with a perspective of eternity. Lord, let that change our outlook. Let it change our perspective. There's a day when we're going to gather in the temple. You, yourself, being that temple. And you being the light. Lord, we look forward with great anticipation to that day. And Father, I pray that you would empower us, Lord God, to go and tell as many as we can the good news about Jesus the coming of his kingdom and that you've made a way for us to enter in. Make us fruitful. Help us, Lord, to bring as many as we can into your kingdom before your return. We thank you and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Listen, we are a body because of what we just did, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're a body. As you're leaving, I want you to love each other, to find somebody maybe that you don't know, encourage somebody, edify one another. I believe that every time we come to church, we ought to, we ought to build each other up. Amen? So let's look to do that. Let's look to edify one another on our way out of here.